Well, friends, I invite you to turn in um, the gray Psalter hymnal to um, what we're looking at, uh, different petitions of the Lord's Prayer. Today, the sixth and final petition. We're going to turn to page 924, page 924. And we're going to read just that first question and answer, 127 there. Lord's Day 52, question and answer 127. And I'll ask that question if you would respond with the answer. What does the sixth request mean? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one means by ourselves we are too weak to hold our own even for a moment. And our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, never stop attacking us. And so, Lord, uphold us and make us strong with the strength of your Holy Spirit, so that we may not go down to defeat in this spiritual struggle, but may firmly resist our enemies until we finally win the complete victory. And then if you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Second um, Peter, I'm sorry, First Peter, First Peter chapter 5, we'll read just a couple of verses there. First Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. Way at the end of uh, the book of First Peter, page seventeen hundred thirty-two. Just these two verses: First Peter chapter five, verses eight and nine. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, beloved in Christ, uh, Peter Jager was uh, the toughest guy in my high school. He wrestled. He was on the wrestling team. I remember thinking about him that he was the strongest kid in his school, in this school too. Toughest and strongest, Peter Jager. We called him Jags. Jags. He was the kind of guy that you really wanted on your team. Not just the wrestling team, but any team. He was the guy who you wanted standing a little ways away from you if someone was giving you some trouble. Jags was someone you would hope would be looking in your direction when you needed help so that you could look at him maybe with, with some fear in your eyes and he'd come and stick up for you, stand by your side. I wasn't close friends with Jags, but we got along well. I remember one time at a basketball game, the varsity team, we were sitting in the bleachers waiting to get dressed for the game. This was early yet during the sophomore game. Not many spectators there yet. And while the game was going on, Jager came into the gym 
with a couple of his friends. And his face was all scratched up. His left cheek was bruised and it was bright red. His hair was all messed up. He had a whole mop of hair. He looked like he'd just been through a wrestling practice. Well, he came in and sat down with his friends by the basketball team. And it didn't take long before we found out that Jags had been in a fight at the Burger King down the streets. Always at the Burger King, right? Our team immediately was all ears. We wanted to hear about the fight. And Jager didn't look too good, but it soon became obvious that Jager had won the fight. Some of his closer friends were patting him on the back, asking what had happened. And then one of us said something that, that kind of set him off. Maybe he had just had enough talking about the fight, or maybe it was because the person who said this really didn't know Jager all that well and should have just said nothing. But what this person said really ticked Jager off. He said this, hey, Jags, way to go. Good job. And that's when Jager turned and looked at him and said, what's the matter with you? You think I enjoyed it? Silence, embarrassment, and then the conversations slowly started up again. But I'll never forget Jager's reply. What's the matter with you? You think I enjoyed it? That's how he talked too, enjoyed it? Toughest guy in school, strongest guy in school, just showed weakness. And he felt bad about it. He didn't like himself because of it. Now, I'm not mean that weakness in that Jager wasn't keeping a stiff upper lip about this thing or weak in terms of arm strength. Rather, Jager showed his weakness and he was angry with himself because of it. Jager showed his weakness because Jager didn't want to get into the fight in the first place. He didn't want to fight, really. Didn't like to fight, really. And he knew when he did, he was showing that he was not strong enough to turn around and walk the other way. He knew his fighting really showed his own weakness. That comment, you think I enjoyed it? As tough as it sounded, it only showed that Jager was weak, too weak to walk away. And he knew it, and it bugged him. You see, there was a bigger fight going on that night. It was a temptation fight, and Jager lost. It's a fight we lose a lot too, isn't it? We sometimes look strong on the outside, but inside we're as weak as they come. We can't hold our own by ourselves. We're too weak to hold our own even for a moment. The words of the catechism really know how to knock us down a few pegs, put us in our place. Too weak we are to hold our own against temptation even for a moment. But that's the truth, isn't it? When we're honest with ourselves, we know it's true. We don't stand a chance against the enemy. Not a chance. We'll fail every single time. Alone, we're as weak as they come. But that really shouldn't surprise us. For look who our sworn enemies are. A trinity of evil. A trio of deceitfulness. All three of them on the offensive against us. Who are they? Scripture and the catechism lay them out for us. This roster of recklessness. First of all, there's the devil. 
the one who has been a liar from the beginning, Scripture tells us. Ever since we've known him, ever since our mothers and fathers have known him, ever since our grandmas and grandpas have known him, he has lied to us. He's lied to everyone with whom he has come into contact. Ever since the Garden of Eden, there has been the devil lying his way into our lives, into the lives of human beings. Remember what the Bible says about him? We read it, 1 Peter chapter 5. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 14 states, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. John chapter 8 verse 44 says the devil is a liar and father of lies. Verse 44 again, he was a murderer a murderer from the beginning. That's the devil. That's Satan, brothers and sisters. Imagine that. We've got to contend with the likes of the devil. Someone who wants to lie to us. For what purpose? Plain and simple. He lies to us so he can murder us. Do you know there's a murderer after you every single day? He's someone who wants you dead, physically and spiritually dead. That's how he wants every one of us. A little first grader in my wife's class reflectively said to her the other day, after she carefully taught them the story of the fall of humankind into sin, as he heard the first great promise about Jesus, Genesis 3.15, that the seed of the woman, Jesus, would crush the head of the serpent, Satan. The little boy said, Mrs. Grunboom, I feel bad for Satan. I feel sorry for him. And teaching moment, she told him, you know what? You don't need to. Because all he wants to do ever is tell lies to you and harm you. And Satan wants to do that to all of us. Every single person in the world. He wants not what's good for them, but what will hurt them. So you don't have to feel bad for him or feel sorry for him. That Jesus crushed Satan at the cross. But still, friends, Satan, the devil, still, though defeated, still has the power to lie and harm us and still wants to and he's good at it. That's why he is our sworn enemy. He is the first enemy of this trio of evil. But that's not all. Secondly, in this trio of evil, we have to contend with the world, a world that is filled with hate, a world that on the surface, well, it looks pretty good, beautiful outside, promises some quick fixes for us, has in mind to treat us pretty well, make us feel nice and comfortable a lot of times, has room upon room upon room to fit us in with it. Looks like an understanding, loving thing to be a part of, the world, where we will find acceptance and, and, and satisfaction and belonging in the world, doing as the world does, acting as the world acts, speaking as the world speaks, thinking as the world thinks. What a lovely place. The Bible says, John 15, verse 19, you do not belong to the world. That's why the world hates you. 
plainly and simply, the world hates what you are, followers of Christ. When push comes to shove, the world, those who do not follow Jesus, when push comes to shove, the world hates Christ followers, a sworn enemy, a devil who wants you dead, a world who hates what you are, and thirdly, we contend against our own flesh, the old self, the the sinful nature that is a part of us, all that pollution inside of us, all that leftover crud that just doesn't want to let go. Galatians 5, listen, the sinful nature, the flesh, desires what is contrary to the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature, the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want or so that you do not do what you want. And Galatians 5, 17, that's a tricky verse of interpretation, but Paul's point, the, the, the Spirit and the sinful nature are at war and the Spirit wins. But without the Spirit, we can't win. Sinful nature is a strong, sworn enemy. So that's where we are when we're alone, friends. A trio of tempters attacking us constantly. The devil wants us dead. The world hates what we are. And our old self, the flesh, that it seductively sings to us in a contaminated key all the time. By ourselves, we're too weak to hold our own even for a moment. Is it any wonder why our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, our sinful nature, never stop attacking us? Is it any wonder why we're weak by ourselves with a gang like that going after us? And how are you supposed to get strong when the odds against you are three to one? Young people, you you know the temptations you face every day. You face them every day. So do we. You, you face some of ones we never faced. We face some you'll never face. But every last one of us, every day of our lives, faces what's behind those temptations. The devil, the world, and our sinful nature, the flesh. We all have that in common. The evil they want us to do looks different from person to person, but we all face the same three enemies, the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. Young people, we, we talk about a, a generation gap, right? Parents throw up their eyes. I just can't get through to my kids. And young people laugh with their friends. You know, my mom and dad, uh, they don't have a clue what's going on. And, and that's kind of funny. Let me tell you something. Adults and young people alike, whether it's obvious to us or not, we all have the same enemies. And that makes for having a lot in common, actually. Parents, you've probably gotten through to your kids more than you know. And young people, your parents probably have more of a clue than you're willing to admit. Now, I know you're tempted to laugh and and say, yeah, right. Instead of laughing, though, trust me, okay? Trust me, because we all have the same enemies. Think of all those temptations. Think of them for a moment. Think of sexual temptation these days. Young people, do you struggle with that thing called lust? For example... Lust that takes the form of looking at pornography. So easy. So available. Any smartphone or computer will do. Let me ask you some questions. How long do you think you'll struggle with that? Uh, maybe, a, maybe a few years from now, just, it kind of just disappears as a temptation. You get married, let's say, and 
that just kind of goes away, like acne goes away. You think lust does that too? It doesn't. Lust hangs around, attacks, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. How about the temptation to abuse alcohol or drugs? Do you think the temptation of substance abuse just sort of subsides as you get older? Ask a recovering alcoholic that, who sits in weekly meetings for the rest of her life so that she won't touch the stuff again. Ask her if the temptation is still there. How about the temptation to be proud, to lord it over someone else, to injure someone else with your words, to fix up your self-esteem by breaking someone else's down? That's one that just kind of goes away in time, doesn't it? I don't think so. Don't deceive yourselves. Our sworn enemies, sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature never stop attacking us. Sworn enemies. You know what the word sworn there means, right? Our confirmed enemies, our always hating us enemies, our never reconciling enemies, our established and permanent enemies, our lifelong enemies, our uncompromising enemies. Parents, we've got to be honest with our kids about sin and temptation, about how strong temptations are, and about how weak we are by ourselves, weaklings like us. If we get that across to young people, then they've discovered one of the biggest clues they can find out about life, the Christian life, their own weakness, our own weakness, weaklings like us. Remember Peter Jagger, he was... He was mad about his weakness. He wasn't strong enough to walk away. He was weak and he knew it and it bugged him. Toughest kid in school, strongest kid in school, knew in that moment he was a weakling. He didn't stand a chance. None of us does. It's three against one. How are we supposed to win the war against temptation? Young people, your parents don't have it won. Parents, your children don't have it won. We can't win. We're too weak, weaklings like us. But Christ isn't weak or a weakling like us. Christ won the battle. Christ won the war against those three enemies and the temptations they lay before us. And if you believe in Christ, that he won it at the cross, that he covered all those sins that we do, then wondrously, mysteriously, you win it too. You win the war. You win the battle. And even more than that, day by day, every day, when those three enemies attack us, the devil, the world, and the sinful nature, these three doomed enemies, already defeated at the cross, yet somehow always hanging around, which really perturbs us when they attack, Christ says, they're defeated. I defeated them. You don't have to worry about them anymore. But Christ also says, I have something for you. It's someone perfectly equipped and more than equal to go up against those three in your daily lives. Here is my Holy Spirit. And I give him to you because even though I have defeated those three enemies, I know they're going to attack you still. But I don't want you to give in to them. I want you to look like the victor that you are, like one who is victorious. You see, I want you to look like me, Jesus Christ. 
victorious over those three losers, the devil, the world, the sinful nature. The Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, Christ gives us his Holy Spirit, which means we're not alone anymore. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of Christ lives in us. We're not alone anymore, trying in all our weakness to stave off the attack of this trio of enemies. No, we're not alone. Christ is in us, in his Holy Spirit. He is in us, united to us. We're not alone. We don't resist these three enemies and all the temptations they want us to fall into. We don't resist them with our weakness. We resist them with the strength of of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, is a prayerful cry for help. It's a cry for God to uphold us. It's a cry for strength, strength from the person of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. The Catechism says, you're not only going to be able to resist now, but you're going to be able to firmly resist. The love of the strength of God is in us. The power of God is now in us because the Holy Spirit is in us. Pray for that Holy Spirit. Pray for that strength. Pray for that power every single day. Pray for it. Let's start fighting the good fight in his strength, not our weakness. Lead us not, Holy Spirit, to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, from the evil ones, the devil the world, the sinful nature. Someone told me a while back, getting really vulnerable he was, whenever I feel that particular temptation, the one I've dealt with my whole life, he said, that I still feel so often, I pray for God's strength. Every time. I know my weakness, but I know his strength, he said. The love of the Holy Spirit of God lives in all those who truly trust in Jesus Christ. The Spirit's strength then is only a prayer away. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's only a prayer away. And let's face it, it's a prayer for weaklings like us. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for teaching us that we are weak. We're weaklings. If we were to live our lives in our own strength, we're weaklings against those three enemies all the time, every time. We're weak. You've brought us humbly to that, that place of humility. You've brought us there today. Reminded us again that we are weak. So, Father, wherever we are in this fight against temptation, remind us that we don't fight alone. We don't fight in our own strength. We fight against temptation in the strength of the Holy Spirit. So help us to be people who pray often, daily, for strength from the Holy Spirit in that fight. Because those three attack us 
every single day. And Father, it's so good to be reminded of that as we approach the Lord's table next Sunday. To be reminded that despite the fact that alone we are weaklings and weak, that we are poor sinners, you still invite us because the table is for poor sinners who recognize their weakness, who come in weakness, knowing that in that supper, in the nourishment of those elements, we will be strengthened. So, Father, help us to approach that table again next Sunday in that kind of humility, knowing we're sinners, knowing we are weak, but knowing that you have in mind to strengthen us and make us look more like Jesus every single day through the Spirit of Christ in us. So, Father, also as we look ahead to partaking, remind us about our faith. Remind us who our faith must be in, and it is Jesus and what he has done. You are the author and finisher of all true believing, so confirm our faith, Lord God, as we prepare for that sacrament. And Lord, also remind us of the hope that we have, hope that rests only on the merits of Jesus Christ and what he has done at the cross, a hope that we can confidently expect his return in glory one day. Remind us of all those things as we approach the table. Fill us with joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit may be in us and we may abound in hope. And also, Lord, as we approach the table, help us to think about our love, our love for you and our love for each other. Remind us that you call us to love you above everything. And you call us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And Father, we pray that where we have failed in that, where we have perhaps not offered forgiveness to someone who wronged us, or where we have perhaps wronged someone and not sought forgiveness. Help us to recognize that the body of Christ is precious to you, and that anything like that does not belong in the body, and that that needs reconciliation. So help us in this week ahead to examine ourselves, examine our love for you and our love for each other, and if there is someone we need to apologize to or seek forgiveness from, help us to be bold and yet humbly come to them and do that or offer that. So, Father, we pray that you would daily increase in us the greatest of all gifts, our Christian love. And, Father, again, as we think about being tempted by these three, this trio of evil, remind us that we certainly may come to the table if we do not want those sins in our lives. Sometimes we, we want them, Lord. We don't do anything to stop them, but Lord, we pray this week we would get before you and we would seek not only your forgiveness, we would seek your strength to fight against those sins so that they would be those sins always against our will not in accordance with it. So help us to gladly obey your commands, Lord, and to come with full expectation to your open house of mercy, even as this week we think about how we struggle so with temptation. 
And so right now, Lord, we'll pray the prayer that you have given to us to pray that includes a word about temptation. And we say together the, the Lord's Prayer, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.